Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So if I could have your attention, I'm going to briefly share this idea. And I think most of you that are here understand the idea behind this event. And the name of the event is called Open the Gates. And I'm thinking we might sing a song that uh, references some of that language. But Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Now, it's, there's a lot behind that, but here's the fundamental idea. When Elijah was on Mount Carmel, and he said to the, the prophets of Baal, he said, you go ahead, do whatever you need to do. Scream, dance, you cry out to your God. And the God who answers by fire, he's the God we'll serve, right? That classic confrontation is really the paradigm by which the advance or the, uh, the retreat of the kingdom of light and darkness emerges. Because when, when Elijah is calling on the Lord and the Lord answers by fire, basically what happened is, is a, something was opened from the kingdom of heaven. And when something, when a gate opens like that, when the manifestation of God comes down, it's because a door was opened. And so... When that door opens, it shuts down everything else that the enemy tries to do. So no matter what the enemy tried to do, they couldn't open their gate. They could not prevail. The manifestation of their kingdom was immaterial. And so the gates, uh, the church that God is building is a gate between heaven and earth. It is an access point. It is worship that causes the resources of heaven to come to earth. And it causes an ascension of angels, angelic activity. There's a worship that attracts heaven to earth. And it creates a doorway and a portal between heaven and earth. The church that overcomes the kingdom of darkness and that causes no other door to be able to be opened is worship in spirit and truth. And here's the good news. We're getting better at it. I mean, we have these classic moments in the Scripture where we see this manifestation But what we're coming to as the church is a people who really can worship God in spirit and in truth. So this is the promise, is that God is building something, and the gates of hell won't prevail against it. And I believe we are contending for a breakthrough in Canada of epic proportions. It's prophesied. It's been prophesied. It is coming. It will happen. The question is, who and when? Who and when? Who are the people That God is used to do that, and when is it going to happen? I believe this is the time. I believe this is the season. I believe something is happening and shifting in Canada right now that we've been prophesied for years and years and years, and I believe this is the season we're entering. You know, in some respects, I don't want to hear another prophecy about what the Lord will do. I just want to see it. I want to see it. And so there's going to be more that comes out hopefully over the, the next three nights. And this is not the end of it. This is the beginning. But it really is building on a momentum of something that just happened this last 10 days here a week ago in North Battleford. And I want to invite Art Lucier to come up and, and just share a couple of things on his heart. Now, Art Lucier is a friend of ours from B.C. And the Lord put it on his heart. And I'm going to let him share for a couple of minutes before we go into worship about uh, a stand on guard event for Canada that God was calling for something 
And it's become something that we, more than we expected. And I just want Art to take a couple minutes to share. And then we're going to launch into worship and see where God takes us. And I really mean that. We're going to see where God takes us. Hello, Edmonton. And visitors. You know, I uh, just I just talking to Blaine and Deanna back there uh, somewhere. Uh, he's the guy that got the hip healed. Yeah. That's a good day. Actually, he's, he said, you know, after he left the North Battleford meetings, I don't know if some of you guys, uh, a lot of you guys won't know this, but he was sitting in a chair because he couldn't stand at the front and, and receiving prayer because he had a cracked hip. And, and uh, so he went back to the doctor, though, and the, in the x-ray, the hairline crack is gone. And uh, I myself, like many of you, are still processing all that happened. You know, it's like when you pray for something and it actually happens, you're still like, oh, did that actually, did this just happen? And I'm, I'm there with you guys, like, I, I'm still, like, I was just, I said it there, I'll say it here, you know, uh, I was just trying to make it through without getting, you know, the whole emotional thing. But I, when Blaine got healed, I, Jeff Garvin, who prayed for you, you know, he was watching the video and he messaged me, he goes, uh, Art, he realized you said, uh, healing on aisle four, healing aisle four. And it wasn't, I was, wasn't trying to be disrespectful. It was just like trying to keep up with everything that was going on. So why are we here? It's not just, it's not to reminisce about what happened, even though, you know, make your own assumptions, I guess. Canada, different ones are watching. Because a lot of people did, it was like, what, what's going to happen there? Well, when we all went there, we were like, we don't, we don't know. We just feel that God has called us to contend for our nation on many different levels. And so we're going to do that. And it wasn't just to let you know, this event here, what, you know, what we're doing here in Edmonton, it's not birthed out of North Battleford. It, it was actually spoken beforehand. It was confirmed um, in North Battleford. But when I came here for confirmation, just to have some intercessors to wash my back to go to contend for the seven-year revival, a well that was there, um, the Lord started speaking so loud for your city. And we had already had confirmation um, that this is one of the places in the nation that God is going to use to... He is. He's so... So for those who, who are kind of playing catch-up, we had already had the word. Many of us had gotten together, you know, a year ago and saying... If we do not get together and call the nation to repent before God, to deal with our issues, then it could go bad for Canada. And it wasn't just a one-time event. It was to go and hit different places. So the Lord is giving Edmonton, Alberta, an opportunity. It's not one man or a ministry just coming in for you guys to be entertained. Actually, it says, lift up your heads, O ye gates. So that's good, but, but hold on. If you don't show up, it's, if you don't show up, like I'm not talking about going to an event. I'm literally talking about, hey, God, this is serious. Our nation is going to hell. It's going down some dark paths culturally. The church is shrinking. The youth are being lost. Like we have no options but to see God move in our nation. So what is this about? This is about saying, God, we need you, and we will we'll answer the call. We'll stand. If nothing else, we're going to stand. And I just have to say, for all of the Edmontonians and the Albertans that came and supported 
you know, what we did over there, all the volunteers, all the intercessors, if we continue on in the nation, continue to doing that, as dark as it is, I believe in not only a revival, but a reformation is actually coming. It really, really is. I feel not only feeling, but hearing the prophetic words, the Lord was pleased with the hearts of unity, the repentance that happened between first peoples, the church, our issues that we had, our complacency. The gates have keys, though, and Jesus really, really did warn us. And, and he, when he spoke to uh, the Pharisees in Luke eleven fifty two, woe to you, you Pharisees, you hinder those who are trying to enter in that key of knowledge, you, you, you hinder them. You yourselves don't enter the kingdom, and you hinder those who are trying. There has to be this idea and thought. It's like what we've done, and we did our best, but I'm going to be one of the first ones to uh, admit it hasn't really gone all that well for the Church of Canada, and our nets are not very full. Okay, I'm just, I'm just saying. So we've got a journey, and the Lord wants to lead. So even tonight as we worship, lift up your heads, O you gates. Lift up your heads. Let's put away denominational lines. All our little theologies, our little doctrinal differences. Let's just come with a heart of humility, Canada. And let's just say we need you like never before. Right? All right. So I just want to say that what God is doing in this region, He's doing in this region. It's not with one person. And as I look across, I see Landon Dorsch, I see Eve Bassett, I, I see other pastors and leaders, the House of Prayer, I see the Baileys back there, uh, and there are others that are coming. But there is a consecutive series of strikes that God is bringing to this region to establish what He wants to establish. And this is, this is not a one-off. There is a series of breakthroughs and setbacks for the kingdom of darkness that are coming. And uh, I believe that there's a call, there's a trumpet sound that's going out to awaken those who understand the moment that we are in, to muster to the call that we will invite the King of kings and Lord of lords into this land. And years ago, Bob Jones stood right here in this place, and he said there was a region 150 miles in every direction that is, represents, I believe, a, a region that God wants to burst open the rivers of life the glory of heaven. It's not going to be a visitation. It's going to be a continuing, continuing rolling thunder and manifestation of God's glory that's going to consume the region. There's going to be more churches, more evangelism, more people healed, more people saved than we could possibly fit in our churches. So I'm not interested. So we're not fighting for morsels. We're going for the whole enchilada. And the leaders of this region are going to walk together, and we're going to love one another. And God's going to raise up apostolic prophetic teams, and we're going to watch and guard over this city and this region. And God will have his way. Let's worship him. As we're continuing to worship, I want to represent what I feel God is offering to this region. In the days of kingdoms, world empires, there's always a significant capital. But throughout the dominion of every empire, 
There are strategic cities. And the administration of that kingdom is represented by a representation of authorities in those cities. And the significance of the region and the city coincides with the significance of the officer sent from the kingdom. And I feel like God is offering to Edmonton an angelic presence of unprecedented stature. An angel of revival or something. I don't understand all of this realm. But I feel like there's a question hovering over us. And the question is, what can your worship steward? What degree of reverence and honor and the giving of glory can the worship of this region, what can you host? The Lord is looking at this region right now. And I see held in reserve a series of angelic presence, noble beings of amazing capacity and glory to administrate the kingdom of God, to, to represent His presence. And I feel like something's being offered to us. And, and I feel there's a soberness. There's a, there's a sense of responsibility. There's a fear of the Lord that we don't... That we don't presumptuously step, oh yeah, God, do it. We're ready. Because the question is deep. And like Jerusalem, who could not even host Jesus, and he said, because you didn't know who I was, you weren't able to recognize the day of your visitation, what it was that was being sent to you. Something will come in after I leave that you wish you would have received me. And so, Lord, we as the church of Edmonton region, northern Alberta, we're saying, oh God, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, we want to host you. We want to host, Lord, those that you send. We want to say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Lord, we're not just here for a catharsis. We're not just here for a personal breakthrough. Lord, we're here to say, your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. Now, as we're going along here, I know that some people are asking questions like, what are we doing? There's moments like this when I start to hear a sound of the moving in the mulberry bushes. There are sounds of worship that activate heavenly activity. There's a sound of faith. There's a kind of worship. It ceases to be about you singing a song that celebrates the present condition of your faith, but actually it's directed heavenward, and it's facilitating it's facilitating uh, the advance. And so I, I see this picture of this divine entourage, and I see these noble beings beginning to make their way into the realm of the earth. It's like one expression more noble, more glorious than the next. And it's a part of hosting the armies of heaven. It's part of hosting. You know, Jesus, he's in that entourage, but he's not at the front. Lesser beings come before him. And I feel like there's a faith that's being released and saying, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And like the four beasts who say, 
day and night, over and over, day and night, over and over, day and night. They say the same things. You think, what's the benefit? It's not about a benefit to you. It's about a faith that facilitates heavenly activity on earth. It's a part of the fulfillment of the prayer that says, your kingdom come. So, Lord, open her eyes. Open her eyes to see the heavenly reinforcements, the angels you're sending into this region. The angels, armies after army after army, filling the landscape. You know, for a long time, I felt that there's a moment of convergence coming where the, the resolute faith of the body of Christ is going to reach an apex. It's going to cross a threshold. And that threshold is summarized in Revelations when it says the Spirit and the Bride say, Come. And when that fullness of that sound of the Bride's desire, inability to, to spend another second without Him, there's a mysterious threshold of passion and desire that's crossed. And when that fullness is touched, He comes. I believe He comes in all of His fullness. And so we're on a journey to release His sound, to worship Him, to love Him with all of our hearts, with all of our minds, with all of our soul, with all of our strength. So Lord, make it so in our midst. Amen. Can you say amen? In just a couple of minutes, I'm going to invite a couple guys to come and share a few things. But we're on a journey here to host God and His presence. And how many of you know that there are different dimensions of God's presence? And there's a certain requirement that comes with one presence that isn't there with another. It's very clear with Israel. God said, listen, there's no way I'm going up with you. If I go up with you, I'll kill you all. You're not ready to host me. So I'm going to send a lesser representative, and he's going to go in my stead. And we see a transition in the New Testament where is it Ananias and Sapphira, you know, they're, they did something. They weren't the only liars at the time. They weren't the first ones to lie, but they were the first ones in that moment of that visitation, of that presence, to step over that line. And so God is saying, listen, I'm raising the bar, I'm lifting the line, I'm drawing a line that you've never seen before, so there's a requirement going to be coming. I'd share Art's testimony, but Art just went through a, a sifting in his own life, it's his testimony, so I won't share, but it's amazing, in Egypt. But God is wanting to do a sifting of our hearts to prepare us to walk into another administration of His presence, because each density of the glory of God brings a requirement. Amen? A few years ago, a friend of mine was saying he was traveling and he came to a, a certain city. He was supposed to speak in a church. He's staying with a friend of his, pastor of a large church. And he came into the, his friend's house and he realized right away everything was tense. He knew there had been some kind of, you know, conflict. He's not sure what to say. He's not sure what not to say. You know, how do you, how do you, how do, you do this? But he's really, really tired. He'd been traveling a lot, and he's, he's, they're making him tea, and he's sitting in the living room, and he's praying. He's saying, Lord, I, lo I love my friend, but I'm so tired, and this is exhausting to be in this atmosphere and, you know, having to not 
tiptoe around this tension. It's exhausting. Is there some way I could tell my friend, listen, I, I, I got to go and stay in a hotel tonight, and I'm gonna, I'll come back tomorrow, we'll visit, but I'm just, I, you know, Lord, I just, is there some way I can get across? I, I love my friend, but I just can't stay here. And the Lord said to him, now you know how I feel. I love my people. I love to visit my people, but I can't stay. There's too much pride. There's too much division. There's too much uh, ambition. There's too much negative talk. There's too much accusation. And so there's this, there's this wave of preparation of the presence of God and the fear of the Lord that's coming to a people who understand the moment and the hour that they're coming into. And they're saying, God, whatever it takes in my heart, whatever it takes that I can be prepared, that I can be a part of a people in a region that can host another level of the administration of the glory of God. God, would you search out our hearts? Would you, would you come and find out in me? Because we, you know, and, and I love the songs where you say, oh God, we're the people, we're the, t-. you know, if you're looking for a place, if you're looking for a city, we love, I love to sing those songs, but we don't want to sing them presumptuously. We want to say, okay, God, what do you need to do to make us, what do you need to do to prepare us so that we can contain that glory? That's what God is doing. Hallelujah. So you know what? We don't know. We've never been this way before. We've never done this. We've never seen the full measure of the glory of God on a people. So uh, I'm going to ask Chris Mathis to come forward. Come on, Chris. I don't know if you guys know Chris. Chris and Nikki, uh, pastor of the summit on the other side of the city. They're the eastern gate, kind of, you know, we're the western gate. And, uh, you know, uh, but anyway, we're, we're becoming uh, very good friends. He's a wonderful young man. God has brought in from Florida to enjoy our weather. So, bless you. Amen. Thank you, Mark. How are you doing tonight? Art's going to come up and share in just a minute. Uh, I'm just going to prepare the way for Art Lucier. How about that? We're, we're in just a real interesting time right now. Uh, as a people, I believe as a nation, and uh, I say we as a nation because I consider myself a part of the Church of Canada. Um, I didn't leave my palm trees and my pool and my beautiful acreage in Florida uh, just to come enjoy the cold weather. I came because God sent us by a word, and that word had purpose attached to it, and I believe that purpose is to see a nation shift. Not that... Not that we are an answer, we're a part of the answer, and you're a part of the answer, and we corporately together are a part of the answer. I I love the pastors and the leaders that are here, so many of my good friends, and uh, Landon, and Eve, and and many, many others, and uh, Archie, and um, I love the fact that the Lord is rallying a group of people together to see beyond the lens and the scope of our own ministry and our own four walls. And I believe, Blair, is that you back there? Hey, brother, how are you? And Blair and, and many others that are here represented, Jim Hall and, and others. Um, you know, I believe that says something when a group of leaders can come together on a Sunday night and without even really any understanding of what's happening. I didn't know. Mark asked me to come and speak. In, I don't know what's happening. I asked him at his house just a little bit ago, what are we doing tonight? What's happening? No, no agenda, no speaking schedule, just to come together to hear what heaven has to say and uh, so I'm just dropped in my spirit. You know, I've been, I've been on this journey right now about really asking God, how do you change a nation? 
And because we've seen cause-driven ministry do it before, only for a nation to stay the same. And so asking the Lord, how do we battle for Canada and see victory? I believe that there's many answers to that, many layers to that, many facets to that. And I, and I don't claim to understand every single one. I believe that's why God puts together a team like this and people come with one piece of the puzzle. Some comes with another piece of the puzzle. And we corporately make this mosaic that eventually shows a picture of how to see Canada shift. But I was reminded of a story in Numbers chapter 32, one of the most disappointing stories in all of Scripture. One of the most saddest stories in Scripture. And it goes back 40 years earlier to a prophetic word to Moses. And the prophetic word to Moses was to show up, tell Pharaoh, let my people go, because I'm taking them out of bondage and slavery into a land flowing with milk and honey, and this is going to be the promised land. You familiar with that story? Numbers 32, you see 40 years after this prophetic word of wandering, the children of Israel standing at the bank of Jordan, about to cross over, And they're getting ready to enter into the moment of time that God has established for them. And two tribes, Gad and Reuben, come to Moses and they say, Moses, we have livestock and this piece of property right here on this side of Jordan really looks nice. Divide us up our inheritance here. Do not make us cross this river. It's a sad story. For God to promise you something give you an inheritance, to give you a prophetic word for your future, and you get right to the threshold, and you blow it because you've got livestock? Don't you know that the Lord is promising you a land flowing with milk? Where does milk come from? And honey. And sometimes you have to surrender what's in your hand that you think is the best to enter into the promises of God, which are so much better. And Gad and Reuben compromise... The inheritance that God has for them. Sad, sad story. Doesn't end there. It ends actually over in Mark chapter 5. And if you don't see the prophetic story here, you'll miss it. Because Jesus shows up. He shows up into this specific region and he's met by a man who lives in a graveyard cutting himself with stones so demon possessed he cannot be bound with chains he breaks out of them and he's running around this graveyard naked welcome to the ministry right and Jesus is encountering this man who is so far gone nobody knows what to do with this man the man runs to Jesus worships him the demons start manifesting Jesus casts out the demons into a herd of swine. The swine violently run down this hill. They drown themselves. Now you've got to understand this. This is 2,000 pigs. You've got to imagine the scenery here. I don't know if you've been around farming. Maybe maybe there's some farmers in here that you can understand 2,000 livestock violently rushing down a cliff into the water and every bit of the livestock drowning. And you would think, Mark, that that the that that would usher in a move of God in a place. And people would have said, yes, our moment is here. The man that was demon-possessed, now clothed in his right mind, it did not do that. The people did not welcome a move of the Spirit. As a matter of fact, they looked at Jesus and they begged him to leave the region. They said, we don't, we, we don't want this. I mean, we like our revival services in our churches. And we like them where they're nice and pretty and polished. But when people that look like that start getting saved, we don't know what to do with that. 
And this man goes to Jesus and he begs Jesus to let him follow him. And you know what the reply of the Lord was? You can't come. He gets saved and now he has to deal with the spirit of rejection when Jesus says, no, you can't come. But it doesn't bother him because he's free. And this is, this is what Jesus tells him. Go back to your friends and tell them the wonderful things that the Lord has done for your life. My question is, what kind of friends does a man who runs around naked, cutting himself with rocks, living in a graveyard have? Probably some pretty messed up friends that like to run around naked in graveyards. Probably some people that he found sleeping on some tombs that were a little bit crazy just like he was. And Jesus says, no, you're going to be ineffective coming with me because who the sun sets free is free indeed. You're free. You don't need 12 months of counseling, discipleship, and all this process now. No, you are free. Go back and tell your friends the goodness of God and what God did for you. I'm telling you, the next move of God is going to look just like that. It's going to look like people coming in, bound up, shackled up, and when they're free, they're free. Like the woman at the well who had an issue with men. What the Bible says, she went back to the men of her city. Honey, if there's anything you don't need to be around, it's the men of your city. But when Jesus touched her, everything shifted. She can go back into where God brought her out from, look at it in the eye, and say, I am free. Come meet a man who will change your life forever. So Jesus encounters this man in this tomb. you got to catch where it's at. It's in the land of the Gad Marines. The same region that Gad and Reuben said, we need to carve out this land for our inheritance. But only now, they're not cow farmers anymore, they're pig farmers now. Because one generation's compromise will lead to the next generation's captivity. And the battle for Canada is not about the election this next time, it's about the election 40 years from now. And if we win the elections now, and we see laws overturned now, that buys us a window of time. But what about the next generation? What about the ones that we're kind of ignoring in the church today? What about the ones that are bored with our church services? They don't show up because we're trying to entertain them, put them in the corner, and babysit the kids of the tithers. I'm going to tell you something. I believe this next move of God has to be targeted to the kids. And I'm telling you, I am encouraged... I'm encouraged. Just last night I was preaching downtown in, in, a, in, a, in a small Ethiopian church for their youth conference and 200 young people were there and there was a 10-year-old and a 12-year-old that mom and dad would not bring them to the meeting. And you know what they did? They took a cab to get there. And that 10-year-old got touched by the power of God, came down shaking with tears streaming down her face and I, I, the, the whisper of the Holy Spirit, there's hope for Canada. There's hope for Canada. I'm telling you, the greatest thing we can do is step into generational legacy, step into generational purpose, and, and not make this thing just about meeting the needs of what we feel like need to be met. I'm telling you, the generations, they're important to God. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The good news is Jesus can show up in a region that has stopped short, stopped 
one step short from entering into the full inheritance. You know, I told Mark and Art this earlier, I feel like Canada's in that time. We're teetering right now on the threshold of Jordan. And the, the decision is going to be made. Are we going to set up camp here because it looks real nice and there's a little bit of prosperity and favor? Or are we going to see what's on the other side? And yes, there's giants. And yes, there's walls. And yes, there's conflict. But I'm telling you, you're anointed for conflict. You're anointed to tear down walls. You're anointed to be brave and courageous and see a move of the Spirit that is unprecedented. Or we can say, I, I don't want to do that because we're Canadians and we like peace and we don't like conflict. I see an army rising in this nation. And I'm telling you, for years, for years I would communicate in my heart to what to people in the States what I was sensing in my heart for Canada. And, and I would get a lot of flack from my American friends saying, why in the world would you want to go up there into that dry place? And I'm telling you, this is my reply. You may see dry bones, but I see an army. I see an army. And some of the greatest things we can do right now in this movement is be fathers, be mothers, Paul said there's 10,000 teachers, but there's very few people that are willing to lay down their life and be a father. And my voice is being heard tonight because I didn't have somebody train me in the ministry. I had somebody pick me up and when I was at my lowest point and father me and pour their life into me. And now their voice is being heard in Canada tonight because I was fathered. And I'm telling you, this is going to, how, this is going to be how we shift Canada. It's... It's not stopping short and pouring in. Come on, Art. You want to jump into this? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for what you're doing in Canada. We thank you, Lord, for, for our generation. When I say our generation, it's not age-specific, gender-specific. It's the generation of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob working together. Those who are alive in the earth. And Father, I pray tonight that you would give us the heartbeat of heaven, the revelation of heaven... God, show us as a nation how to respond in this hour. God, let us start with the one. Let us not contend for revival, but contend to have a garden paradigm. A family walking with you in the cool of the day. God, I pray, Father, for the leaders of this, that you would spear them. Use them like a spear to pierce darkness in this nation. And God, we thank you that you're raising up people of uncompromising faith in this hour. God, to see a move of the Spirit. Amen. Come on, you believe that?